Welcome to FNI Performance Podcast, powered by SimTech Dealer Services, your source for everything FNI. Real talk, real experts, real results. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, what's going on, FNI Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining us on another episode of the FNI Performance Podcast, sponsored by SimTech Dealer Services. I like saying that. It's just kind of fun to say that. Hey, guys, uh, thanks for uh, listening or watching. Today, I have two very special guests. I have Zied and Todd with me. Hey, guys, thanks for taking the time to jam with me. Thanks for having us. Hey, guys, um, before we kind of get into the main topic of our conversation today, I thought it'd be fun to kind of kick it off with some origin stories. So, uh, Zied, I'm going to start off with you. How did you get started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry? It was uh, pretty accidental. So I uh, graduated from Laurier with my BBA, and then I worked in accounting for about a year after that. Um, a year into it, I realized I didn't really like you know the desk job setup. And uh, one of my friends worked in sales. It wasn't car sales, just sales in general. His job seemed appealing. So I'm like, you know what? I should get myself a sales job. Um, and I accidentally ended up, you know, getting a sales job at a car dealership. It wasn't by design or intent. And, um, but within a month, I loved it. I mean, as you probably know, if you sold cars, usually that first year is very exciting. You get that thrill in the ride. So it was a really, really cool gig for me. And I did that for about six years. I was at the dealership level and now I've been four years with SimTech and the FNI performance uh, field. That's awesome. You know what? I find a lot of us in the industry never really have the intention of getting in the industry. A lot of us kind of just fall into it, right? A lot of accidents. That's how, that's how I feel. I feel like I feel like for us in the industry, a lot of accidents happen. That's how we all end up. Hey, Todd, for yourself, how did you get started in the industry? Well, like Ziad, I wasn't planning on automotive, that's for sure. Uh, uh, all through high school, I was set out to be a teacher. I was going to university to become a teacher. And the summer before I was supposed to start, I went and toured the university to look for residents and it just, it hit me. I don't want to do this. I don't want to spend four or five years in school just to spend another 30 years in a school and went home, said to mom and dad, uh, I'm not doing this. And dad's like, what are you going to do? I said, I have no idea. And uh, he had said to me, you always have liked cars. And my brother, my older brother owned a couple audio video stores and I worked part-time selling for him in there. And, had a knack for it. And my dad said, why don't you go sell cars? So I grew up in a little town north of Toronto and there was no dealerships nearby. So I got out the Toronto Sun and uh, picked out an ad for a, a GM dealer in Mississauga. I called them. They hired me on the spot, moved to Toronto. And 32 years later, here I am. Done a little bit of everything in the industry, you know, sales, sales manager, uh, fixed ops manager. And I've been with SimTech for five now. That's that's awesome. I love 32 years later. It's yeah. just like all of a sudden, poof, what happened? I got into yeah, the car business. You know, I, had hair when I, started I was going to ask you, I actually did too. <laughs> and then a family and the car business later, you know, like, guys, I'm actually 23 years old. I don't know if you knew that. but I can tell, Jason. Can yeah, yeah, thanks. It's all the gray and the, lose, and the losing hair <laughs> that it is, right? Hey, um, you know what? This with the, pandemic, with the pandemic going on right now and affecting our business and our industry the way it is, you know, dealers right now are really having to look for new revenue streams. 
a lot of new revenue streams. Um, you know, here's the bottom line. We're not going to sell as many cars as we did in the past, you know, but we just came off of a flat year as well, right? You know, from an operations perspective, you know, we're going to have to process our way to profitability. It's, you know, the, the, the days of just having that volume and relying on that, those type of strategies are, let's face it, it's kind of gone, you know? So like we really have to look at every single department and every single strategy that we deploy and say like, is this going to bring us the profitability that we're looking for? Is this gonna give us that revenue? And you know, I think with the F&I department, that is a space that still has a lot of potential. And I know a lot of dealerships are already talking and discussing on how that department, you know, is going to have to really pick up you know, some, some of that lost revenue stream. So I'd love to kind of kick it, kick off our conversation with that is, you know, what type of tactics, you know, can be executed, you know, to offer, you know, F&I products to customers who maybe their manufacturer warranty is nearing expiry, because I think that's a, a huge opportunity. We got a little chance to talk off screen before we started here, but it was one of the first call I actually had to make for, um, when I started in the industry was calling customers where their warranty was near expiry. But I'd love to kind of get your guys' thoughts on tactics and strategies that we can use towards that uh, type of audience. And uh, Zaid, I'll start with you and then Todd, I'll ask you the same question. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, that's 100% a really important revenue stream that I'd have to say for the most part, I don't think most dealers currently capitalize on it. Is something that kind of gets you know falls through the cracks, right? And uh, now when it comes to the uh, a, a customer who's got a vehicle with an expiring warranty, um, I'd say the first priority, really, should, um, you know, as it should be for most dealers, is to get that customer in a new vehicle, right? I mean, if the warranty's going to expire, that's a huge opportunity. I mean, that's you know, uh, kind of upgrade your customer 101. You would you would try to get them into a new vehicle, right? Whether well, it's the same model or a lesser model now to to help them. Uh, save on the payment a bit now thing, you know, with the, with the pandemic going on. But um, of course, a lot of customers aren't going to fall in that category. So at that point, you do need a strategy of like, well, they're keeping their vehicle for an extra three years. They're out of extended warranty. How do we do that? There's really multiple ways to do it. I mean, it, it kind of does get broken down into a four-step process. One is the lead generation. That could get done through your CRM or DMS, depending on what system you're getting. Uh, so the lead generation is pretty well through your system is going to tell you who's, you know, there's a couple of months left or they're at the kilometers. Uh, so you could sort that, you know, uh, with these parameters or as you're booking service appointments, right? That's another lead generation tool. You know, Jason, you're coming in the next week. What are your kilometers? 55,000. Well, boom, automatically. That's an opportunity because you're only 5K away from expiry, right? The second is the initial contact, which is simply done through the BDC. As much as we want business managers to do that, the reality is very far and few between business managers are going to be calling these lists. And typically, like based on my experience, dealerships that do this more successfully have a business development center. There's like a well-oiled machine that you know takes care of that. Uh, and then connecting with the customers. So when they're in for service is a great opportunity. Or sometimes, you know, you just call them or you send an email because their warranty's up to expiry. They're interested. They'll come in, or you can do the meeting virtually. And then closing closing the sale really is up to the business manager, right? And um, there's really three different ways we could do it. We could do it by phone. We could do it also by email. So depending on how you want to target your customer, um, I think every depending on where your dealership is, you know, some might be more into email, some are more into the phone. So you'll have to figure that out. 
And of course, sometimes they also offer like, you know, like a promotion, like your award is up to expire. Here's a $400 credit on your next one, right? No, look, at the the end of the day, we have to really as an industry, stop talking about what we accomplished the previous month. You know, we spent a lot of time talking about here's what we did. You know, I think moving into, you know, this next eight to 12 months, we need to talk about not what we did, but what could we have done? You know, and there's all these little spaces, you know, you you mentioned the service department, right? You you know, you mentioned like prospecting. We, 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 Todd, you've been in the business long enough. I mean, you know, I remember when I first showed up to the dealership and my first two weeks was like, there's a desk, all right? There's the cars you can sell. Here's a phone book. And, and that is literally how you got started. Like the art of prospecting, I hate to say it, but it, it's kind of been lost in our industry. In fact, I got a word for it. I call it full belly syndrome. And I feel like we're coming off of, you know, a lot of full belly syndrome at dealerships. And that's not going to work moving into the, you know, into the next 12 months. Like we have to get hungry again. And to do to to do that, you know, Zaid, you, you nailed it on the head. It's like we have to identify these audiences. Like, you know, who are we going to prospect? And then once we've identified those audiences, then we have to decide, well, what can I say to that audience that's actually relevant to them you know what are they going to care about right now and it's it's going to go beyond just discounts and low interest rates and you know it we have to come at it from a direction of empathy before you know we have to show them that we care before they we can show them here's what we have to offer and that's kind of a fundamental shift for as an industry but you know todd i love to kind of get your thoughts on this you know that you know manufacturer warranties nearing expiry you know what are some great tactics and strategies that dealers can use to target that audience and start prospecting again Yeah, well, interesting stat, Jason, 18% of customers return to the selling dealer once the manufacturer's warranty expires. So you got 82% of your customer base not coming back to you. And, you know, I look at it this way. You think about the money dealers spend on advertising that to bring new clients into their building. Why not use the tools you've got? You've got your CRM, you've got your, your database there. Let's start marketing to those people. Not everybody wants to be pulled out of the vehicle they're in. You know, the, all manufacturers have done a great job in the last five, 10 years pulling people out. What are we going to do to keep them in? So if you can contact those people, like Ziad said, with an email or a phone call, and, and if they're planning on keeping the vehicle, let's offer them a, some protection on it. They're already your customer. They're already coming to your service department. So let's keep them there. You know, by, you know whether it's a, a discount on the warranty or just a lot of times letting them know, hey, you chose not to buy this when you bought the vehicle. Maybe it's because you weren't sure if you're going to keep it past the three or four years. But now that you've decided to, let's protect it for the next three years. Would you like to have new car warranty again on your own vehicle? Yes, I would love to have that. You know, it's what you hope they say, you know, but you got to give them a reason to. And if you can keep those, you know, if you kept a percentage of that other 82% coming back to your building, how much is your business going to grow? And it's cost you nothing. It's absolutely cost you nothing. But the biggest thing dealers have to do is have a proper process to manage this. You know, it's got to be almost like its own dedicated department. You've got your new, your used, your warranty parts. Somebody's got to manage this department. 
and, and follow through that the people contacting the people are doing it properly. It's got to be manageable and it's got to be monitored. To tell somebody, go make 30 phone calls today and you're not monitoring what they're doing, you know, it doesn't work. No. And just to add to that, like another reason why it's important other than just, you know, serving the customer and an additional revenue generation for the dealer, um, typically, and I believe the number is one out of five, so about roughly 20% of customers, when their warranty expires, they go back to the dealership for service. Now, potentially, you're losing a significant amount of service customers, let alone the profitability you can make on a warranty and really doing the customer a service by giving them their options. Um, you're really do it's detrimental to your service department not doing that process because the second they don't have the warranty, there's a high likelihood 80% will you know go to Costco or elsewhere wherever they go to their own mechanic to get the vehicle service, right? So it's uh, lots of benefits with that, right? Oh no, for sure, guys. I mean, look, you know, coming from the marketing perspective, you know, there's not an ad set that I can create. There's not a message I can put out there, you know there that's going to draw people into a dealership right now. I mean, look, there's, there, there's no magic pill. There is no 12 minute apps here. You know, like <laughs> Todd, you were kind of talking about it, right? Like this is just hardcore process development. And I kind of said it earlier, we're going to process our way to profitability and we have to get rid of this full belly syndrome and really take the time to dive into our current database and what we are actually doing with it. And, you know, and I have some dealers that, oh, no, I, I, I manage to do my, you know, I market to my current database. I'm like, so you do a quarterly, you know, private sell. That's, that's not, that's not marketing to your database. I mean, I think what we're talking about here, guys, is actually hand to hand combat, picking up that phone, having bloody conversations, you know, about how are things going for you right now? You know, what is, is your financial situation changed? You know, as your dealership, what can I do to assist you, my customer? Like, that's the type of process that we're talking about here. And it's like, I know I'm getting a little passionate, but it's like, this is the time that we're in. And I don't think it's, I think we're beyond the point that what we're talking about is a good idea. We're at the point now where it's a mandate. Like, absolutely yeah. right uh, which is a good thing i mean when you know when a recession pandemic or any of that stuff happen it, it pushes it pushes you to step up your game and hopefully now that's going to be an opportunity to get a lot of dealers to uh, you know commit to processes you know commit to finding ways to generate that extra uh revenue that before they were you know a bit too comfortable the full belly syndrome right uh, so I think, you know, th there could be a really positive, uh, you know, side to this from an operations aspect at the dealership level. Um, so, yeah. And, and you know what I will say, you know, I will have to applaud our industry, you know, because for the most part, all right, um, we have had to make huge changes. <laughs> We're talking monstrous changes to our processes, the way we utilize technology, and we've had to do it in 60 days. <laughs> I mean, the, these are changes that we've been trying to get dealers to make for the last 10 years and dealerships are making these changes in 60 days. And, um, you know, I guess that's kind of the silver lining that you kind of see right now, you know, during this pandemic are those dealerships that are stepping up and really identifying the fact that they're going to have to process this way. Now, the cool thing is the benefit when they take that approach, 
right? The customer is the one that actually reaps the benefit of it. You know, I mean, look, what we're talking about here, you know, calling the customer, having this conversation about their warranty about to expire is, I would say, more of a customer service call than it is a sales call. And, you know, I really want to make sure we drive that home because it is you're doing right by the customer to have this conversation. You know, if you're not having this conversation, I don't know if you're doing right by the customer. Like it's again, like I said, it's a mandate, you know, and, and that's and that's just one audience. Right. I mean, this is a perfect lead into my next question for you guys is that there's a whole other audience there, many audiences. But here's a whole nother one that I think we need to identify and talk about, you know, tactics is, you know, the lease are expiring soon. I mean, I, I've heard some stats and some numbers are thrown around, but there's a crap load of cars right now that are their leases are about to expire. And, you know, what can dealers do to help customers that, you know, are having, you know, a, a lease about to expire? Um, Zayid, I'll start with you. And then Todd, I'll ask you the same question. Yeah, I think, I mean, on my end, uh, and I know, you know, lease, leases are expiring and we're in the middle of a pandemic, but I'm a firm believer in process. So um, yes, there's a pandemic, things are different, but the process would never change. Yes, we could tweak it, you know, that falls under adaptability. And as you said, you know, dealers have done a good job in the last 60 days trying to, you know, switch some aspects of their business to uh, adapt to the current situation, right? But it shouldn't really change, you know, a lease is expiring. Most dealerships, I would hope, do have a, you know, lease renewal process that starts typically at the 12 month window, six month window and the th three month window, right? Where we do that initial contact, you know, 12, six and uh, three months if we you know, didn't upgrade them the first two times, right? Um, I think another part of it too as well, uh, I mean, you want it to, part of your prospecting when you call these customers, you do want it to be a bit data driven. So using a software like Viato that tells you where, you know, this particular vehicle is going to have a high trade-in value and now we've got a good incentive well maybe now is a good time to call that customer right and other softwares of course like you know the auto alerts of the world where uh, instead of you having to call 50 customers it will tell you well these 20 customers they might be in a similar actually lesser payment how great is it to be you know calling you jason and telling you well same car is going to be a less payment give or take you know, your accident history potentially right so things like that, I think, you know, uh, one, you've got to follow your regular process and, and hopefully you, you should have a good lease renewal process, right? Now, if the timing isn't right, of course, now for a lot of people, no matter what, the timing may be different and you have to respect that, whether it's a health situation or a financial situation. At that point, of course, you do have the option with most OEMs to extend that lease, right? So if their lease expires on, you know, June 1st and, you know, it's just not the right timing for that particular individual, well, why don't we look into the lease extension? Most again, OEMs you, you have a few. That, that's that's perfect. I mean, look, I think with the lease with the lease expiry, look, our process in the past when it comes to a lease return, you know, or has been our process. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it's benefited us as a dealership. And, you know, I'm thinking, Zaid, and I'm curious what your thoughts are, is like, how do we make our lease expiry process more customer centric knowing you know how much this pandemic has changed you know our social interactions what are your thoughts well i mean the first thing i would say well, when you get in touch with that customer well, you kind of have to maybe put them through like a qualifier the same thing if it's a fresh up at a dealership well what are you looking for budget needs so 
you know, say for example, you're driving a, you know, a Honda CRV, right? Um, typically, you know, a leasing manager, or salesperson might assume, well, oh, let's just put you in the new CRV, same car, try to get a lower payment. But I think now you're right, given the situation, it, it wouldn't hurt to do like kind of an interview, a needs analysis where what's your situation? Are you still happy with the car? Are you looking for a small or bigger? Well, actually, you know what? I'm actually really willing to downsize now. What can I do? Because, well, now automatically we know that, well, maybe like a Civic will, will work instead of a CRV, right? So I think um, one, like a, a little bit of a needs analysis to, to, to understand the customer's current situation. And maybe the situation might come up where it's like, you know what? Now is just like not, I can't make a decision because there's a lot of unknowns. Well, how about we extend your lease? Would that make you feel better, right? If we can get you an extra six months on your lease, well, that video would be great advise me time, right? That sounds like it'd be a great video uh, discussion. So I, I think something like that is, you know, is, is very uh, mindful given the situation we're in. Uh, and I think that should really be uh, the first questions or set of questions we ask when we're calling customers who have expiring leases. One, find out what the situation is. You know, is the car still meeting their needs financially? Did it want to be, you know, some might, you know, be comfortable going even higher. You never know. Everybody's different, right? But I think once you do that, you'll figure out if the timing now is right based on the vehicle they have uh, and their situation, or if you want to extend that lease. And some, of course, might fall under the category of, you know, I love my car. I'm fine. I want to keep it, right? At that point, I mean, you know, the, the refinance or just like a cash lease ballot process, um, the way we look at it is that, I mean, that's a regular new car or used car purchase process. So these customers should be going through a turnover and all their protection options should be offered to them, right? There's no reason why we should just print a bill of sale and collect a check. Like this, a, it's kind of a new deal. They're now rebuying that car for another four years. It's kind of like, you know, they're, they're buying a four-year-old car, like a brand new used car deal, right? Uh, so again, back to process, it should be going through a hundred percent identical turnover as a, as a new car deal, right? Um, I think, yeah, that, I mean, on my end, I think that kind of covers of, of how we should be approaching the lease expiry now during the pandemic. And look, we have the time to do this kind of stuff. I mean, guys, look, you, you work with a lot of F&I managers and you work with a lot of sales managers and salespeople. I mean, how often do you hear those words? Oh, that's a great idea. But, you know, if I had the time, right? Like, I think that that excuse doesn't exist anymore. Like, you don't have a lineup of people out your door. You know, we have time. In fact, actually, I know a Honda dealership that uh, during this pandemic did not lay off any of their staff, uh, which I thought was kind of big and bold, but in fact, turned every single one of them into a kind of a quasi BDC person. And his goal and objective was to actually have a conversation on the phone or, or video, all right, with all 8,000 of his active vids. I'm like, wow, man, that's bold. He's like, look, even, even, even if the conversation is just to check in and see how you're doing, right? But like, we wanted to get face-to-face -face with 8,000 people. I wanted to do this. Now, I'll tell you what, this, this guy set his dealership up for success. And over the next 6 to 12 months, he is going to significantly benefit from taking that time and having, and he said he was, last time I talked to him, that he was damn near almost at 3,000 conversations. Can you imagine 3,000 conversations over two months? Like that's that's amazing, but when that's what we're talking about here. Take that time, have those conversations. Hey, Todd, for yourself, what would you like to kind of add to that, you know, to customers who leases are about to expire, tactics or strategies that dealerships should be executing right now? 
Well, I think the big thing, and it's like we've talked about all through the conversation, it's communication. If you're the salesperson that's leased that car originally, or you're the leasing manager, don't wait until the lease is about to expire to be communicating with those people. Stay in contact with them. You know, build that rapport, build that relationship. Because if they do come back to you, you know, you're not talking about one vehicle sale. You know, you're talking about two. You're going to lease them a new vehicle or sell them a new vehicle. Plus, you're going to have an A1 vehicle for your used car lot. What better way to stock your used cars than with one owner leases coming off that you've serviced, you know the customer's driving habits? To me, that's huge. If I'm a used car manager, I'm all over my my leasing manager's behind every day. What do you got coming in tomorrow? What's coming off next week, next month? Yeah, we, we used to call oh, it go fishing. Going to the auction. Yeah. Go fishing, right? Like, what are yeah. you doing? What are you doing today? Oh, me and the used car manager, we're going to go fishing. You know, we're going to go through that lease portfolio and we're going to start, you know, cherry picking, you know, the cars that we want. <laughs> yeah. If you know that, hey, you know, 2017 Honda Civics are really hot right now. I'm all over that lease portfolio. Finding, I need 30 of them for June 1st. Who can we call? Who's called? Who's talked to? You know, and just, it, you got to work, you know, one thing I'm hoping that comes through all this pandemic is dealerships start working together within the store. It's not five separate departments. It's everybody working together to be better, to be better for our customers, to be better for our staff and, and grow it back to where it should be. No, that's totally true. And, and you know, we, we do. It's communications, uh, not just between us and the customer, but also communications between our departments. You know, guys, like I, I hate to say it, but I've been in a lot of strategy sessions with dealerships and I've sat in these boardrooms and it's like the used car managers on one side and he wants to strangle the service manager because he says he gouges them on reconditioning. Right. The parts manager hates the new car manager because the new car manager expects a discount on all the accessories when he goes to the parts department. And just like, and if I wasn't there, the two, all four of them would probably just be in a full out like brawl with each other. Like, but that's it, it. Just we can't operate like this. We can't operate in these types of silos anymore. It's not good for us as a business, but it's definitely not good for the deal, for the customer. The customer, you know, feels that. And and Todd, I, I, one thing I want to kind of add a little bit to you know going fishing in your leasing portfolio. You know, um, I've been reading a lot of reports out there lately how people are saying that car sales are going to be down you know, hardcore over the next 12 months and, you know, 50, 60, 70% down. And I can't be honest with you. I, 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 for the most part, disagree with a lot of what they're saying. You know, I, I mean, I'm looking at, especially like here in Ontario, where we are right now, the, the one and a half million people that rely on public transit to get around. Look, I, I, I'm not jumping into a bus or getting on a train anytime soon. You know, in Canada, where we where we live, you know, we have the highest usage of rideshare programs than anywhere else in the country. Are you guys jumping in the back of a stranger's car anytime soon? No, I mean, look, there's a lot of people out there that are going to be looking for that $300, $350 a month car. And, you know, I know a lot of people who would not want to take those Civics off a lease because they're like, oh, Jay, like there's there's so many. Of them. I, I, I'm like enough. I don't want them, right? Let's just let them send them to the auction. You know, but I have dealerships right now that are digging through their lease portfolios and trying to pull these people out because they're preparing. They're preparing for what is to come. And that is for, you know, the bucket of people that were in market before the pandemic happened. Look, 
just because you know, the pandemic happened doesn't mean they're not going to buy a car. They're just not buying a car right now. And then this whole new bucket of people that are going to be entering into the market because they're not going to want to jump on the go train and commute into work. They would rather spend the 350 bucks a month and get that you know less expensive you know um, used sedan that just came off a lease. So look, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Now we talked a little bit about lease. I want to talk a little bit about finance because I, I, I find with leases, guys, it's a bit easier. You know, like, they have to bring it back. We, we, we have to have a conversation. You know, I, I actually feel like we don't do enough actually to talk to the finance contracts. You know, we almost just kind of, well, it's like, well, no, look, this lease portfolio, they have to do something. I'm going to focus on this as low hanging fruit. But I feel like what we say and what we communicate, you know, to the customers where their finance contracts are about to expire should be slightly different. So I'm actually curious uh, your guys' thoughts on any tactics and strategies that we can use towards finance customers where their contracts about to expire. So you know, I'll start with you and then Todd, I'll ask you the same yeah. question. Yeah, with finance, uh, and again, we're, we're talking about that before the call, Jason, is that um, it's really the same as the lease. It shouldn't be treated any different now. In most places, it does get treated like, you know, um, of course, we used to do finance renewals and go after finance, but most of the renewals and upgrades and sales events, like the majority were focused on lease. And you walk into any dealership, lease renewal, I mean, I'm like, why, why the heck don't we hear about finance renewal, right? Um, the reality is the, the closing rate is tougher. Typically, when a customer is in a, in a finance vehicle, uh, the reason why they finance it sometimes, right, uh, is that they want to keep that car long term. So it's tougher. And of course, the path of least resistance, the lease customer, they're forced to talk to us. They have to deal with us. So we usually go after those and we kind of ignore the finance customer. But again, same as uh, what we discussed before, I think with, with finance customers, it's even more important to use data-driven systems like the auto and auto alert because with a finance customer, it might not even be near expiry. It might be at a two-year window. If I'm doing a six-year finance, maybe with two or two and a half years left in my finance, now is a good time. Depending on the brand you have, you might have a, a, a trade value that is higher than um, uh, your balance and you've got a positive equity situation. I remember when I was a sales guy and we'd have our events the easiest upgrade customers were finance customers if it was the right car. If it was a car that our used car department wanted and, you know, um, and then the customers got their eye on another car, they were an easy switch because you've got somebody who's got two years left and now, you know, they've got a positive equity situation, which is typically tougher to experience in a lease, right? Um, but again, for the most part, we kind of ignore these, right? So I personally think with finance, as far as strategy and tactics, you really have to be in tune with, you know, what's hot in the used car department, right? And then pull your, you know, a CRM, DMS, auto alert type system and see based on, you know, let's say uh, 2017 F-150 pickup trucks are hot, see who's got these cars. And then again, which ones are going to show up in the green, meaning that their payment is going to be either the less or similar or maybe a tiny bit higher for a new model, right? And then you can focus on these customers versus one that are, might be a little bit too much in the red, right? I think that's a strategy that could really start anywhere from two, two and a half years prior to expiry. You don't have to wait until it's expiring, right? So at that point, you're not you know, jammed against the wall with a couple of weeks left competing with different brands. Uh, so planning ahead and having a process is key. Uh, another thing I personally found with finance customers when, when it comes to renewal, um, 
we always assume that a, a cash buyer, a finance buyer, or they're a cash buyer, they're a finance buyer. We never assume that, oh, potentially they might be a lease buyer. I personally found that most of the time, at least for half of them, they just didn't really understand how a lease works. A lot of people have a negative perception of lease. Oh, like lease is a ripoff, scam, whatever. It's like crazy stuff you hear from people about leases, right? Meanwhile, it really is for nine out of 10 customers, the best way to get a car usually is a lease, right? Because most people nowadays are switching every four to five years for the most part, right? Uh, so I personally find another strategy well, is also like- And I, th I think right now, customers. like you're going to see more of it. Right, you know, I mean, the people that are in finances. Reduced payment. Yeah, yeah well, exactly. If you're looking for reduced payment now. I'm in a finance. I'm paying seven fifty a month. I could really switch into a lease and be paying under five hundred bucks a month for a similar vehicle. Um, and maybe the reason I never started the lease because I was never educated. I came in. I told the sales guy I want to finance. And my buddy told me a lease is a scam, right? And the sales guy was, you know, maybe didn't with the path lease resistance. Uh, let's roll with the finance, and that's it. But, but I think it, it's important to always, you know, whether you're, when you're prospecting your uh, cash and finance customers for renewal, start from square one. You know, when I was a sales guy, I always offered the three options. Don't prejudge. If they're on a lease, show them what a finances cash looks like, right? Uh, and same now, I think re-educating the customer on the benefits of the lease will really make it easier because otherwise, if they're looking at another finance and they have to put another big down payment and another massive monthly payment, like, you know what, no thanks, I'll keep my car. But if you educate them on the benefits of a lease, specifically how they're protected against the depreciation from accident history, which only a lease offers them that benefit, finance and cash doesn't, right? If an accident happens, it comes out of their pocket when they trade in with a lease, you're protected, right? Um, so I think once they understand that, it'll really make it easier to, to increase that renewal rate for the finance deals, right? And, and you know what, uh, Zaid, I think we're going to see a lot of that. Um, I remember, I mean, you guys probably both remember seeing a lot more of this when we came out of the recession, right? With them, there were certain manufacturers that had very, very small lease portfolios and huge finance portfolios. And right out of the recession, because everyone was so budget conscious, like there was a big shift or leaning over towards lease. And I think we're going to see a lot of that. And I think it's a great point that we need to be training and talking to our staff about this now. You know, like we got to have these conversations, you know, we just can't expect as business as usual. And they come in, they finance their last car, and they're going to want to finance their this next car as well. It's like, you know, getting them into a short term lease, you know, where they don't maybe need the big SUV, we get them into a smaller SUV, and we get them to a 36 or 24 month lease, then they then, you know, when things feel like they're going to be a little bit more back to normal, they can go back to the larger vehicle. But if we set that up now, if we just stick them to another finance, we're never going to have that chance. We're never going to have that chance to have that conversation. Um, Todd, I'd like to kind of get your thoughts on kind of, you know, tactics and strategies yeah. behind, you know, uh, finance contracts or uh, customer finance customers where the contract's about to expire. Yeah, I think Ziad summed it up pretty good. The one big thing I think uh, dealers and salespeople have to keep in mind is the finance customer is different than the lease customer in one way that they don't have to get out of the vehicle they're in. So we have to become salespeople again. You know, a lot of times we just rely on the people have gone on the internet, they've seen what they want, they come in, yeah, I want the blue Escort that you've got out there. But so know the vehicle they've got, know the similar model that's out now, be product knowledge experts. You know, if you're in this business and you don't know every button feature on that vehicle that you can sell it, you're not gonna pull that person out of that finance contract. 
you know, that's the big thing to me is I see, you know, after all these years of this business, the ones that are successful, they know their product inside and out and they can sell the benefits to that customer. Hey, yeah, I'm going to get you to the finance contract you've got, you're in now. Look at what you're going to gain by, you know, you're going to have a vehicle with a brand new warranty. You're going to have this safety feature, this add-on benefit that you said would be important to you. So sell them on, on what they're going to gain. You know, forget about price. You know, if they like what it is, it's, they're going to buy it. No, that's, it's totally true. We do actually have to get back to selling. You know, I mean, how often do you guys hear the term uh, order takers in dealerships? And I'm thinking that just doesn't exist anymore. In fact, this is a perfect segue kind of into my next question for you guys. You know, it's kind of just summing everything up. You know, what are some additional best practices and tips, you know, for dealers to manage their expiring customers? I mean, is that you do, we were talking a little bit earlier about events. You know, like, are we actually going to see upgrade events or loyalty events? Or are we going to start seeing lower your payment events? You know, like the, the things like this, you know, where it's like, what else can we do? And I think, Todd, you were kind of alluding to one thing that, you know, we, we need as an industry to have a conversation about is our people. Yeah. Like, is our people prepared, you know? to actually be salespeople again, you know, are they prepared, you know, to be the consultant and to do like we were talking about earlier, Zaid, and, and actually have that conversation about, you know, moving them from a finance to a lease. Cause look, that, that type of conversation, like that takes a, a sales professional to have that type of conversation. That is not just, you know, something that everybody can do, but I'd love to kind of get your guys' thoughts on, you know, any additional best practices or tips that we can leave, you know, our watchers and listeners right now with, you know, when it comes to managing, you know, customers where, you know, they're expiring either finance or lease. Zaid? I mean, I think we've, we've touched on that. The, the one thing I would uh, recommend, I mean, I know, um, you know, even some dealers have like, you know, every two weeks they've got like a sales event and all that stuff. I would say that the main thing, I mean, you want these events to uh, be successful. I mean, that's the whole point you're doing it. Um, I think you want it to be targeted uh, and again, back to being data driven. Based on, my, again, my experience, like the events where we're selling like the 30, 40 cars a day were like really crushing it, right? Uh, they didn't happen by accident. I mean, you know, yes, of course, if you have good salespeople, it helps, but the, the, on the macro level, uh, you you want to you, you need to target the right customer, right? Um, so again, um, if a particular vehicle has just now got a terrible trade value, maybe we're not gonna put like call a hundred of those customers because it may not make sense at the time being, right? Maybe we'll, and it doesn't, you know, bad trade value, no OEM incentives, probably not the best combination, right? But if you've got strong OEM incentives and it's really your used car manager that you know knows that the, the auto report tells them, well, that's the car you need on your lot right now. Well, let's put our efforts into that, right? So I think, um, you know, um, you could have these events kind of as often as you want, in my opinion, as long as the data backs it up. Because uh, we've also had on the flip side, you know, you have these sales events where you're like, you know, sold like a handful of cars in a day and it's it's not a good number usually, right? Given uh, the investment and energy and time spent to, to, to set that event up. Um, so I think, uh, you know, Dealers have their CRMs, they've got their DMS, they should be able to, to get that information where they've got like, you know, um, targeting the right customer. Um, and at that point, you know, you, as same with the expiring warranty, you can contact by phone, it could be an email, it could be like a targeted social media campaign in your area and your neighborhood based on like, hey, anybody with a 
vehicle X, you know, come on in uh, kind of stuff, right? So uh, I think it's got to be targeted. And the good thing with technology now is that we, we do have the data. We just have to use it and, you know, come up with a, with a, with a strategy that, that makes sense. And I think we could be a lot more effective in these events, right? You know what, um, Zaid, I'm so glad that you brought up CRM. God, we love our three-letter acronyms in our industry, don't we? <laughs> three-letter acronyms and four-letter words. Um, yeah. But yeah, let's talk a little bit about a CRM, you know, because, man, there's some wildly different variations of dealers' expectations, usage, training, coaching. I mean, hell, I just got done doing a uh, consultation with the dealership where we actually found out they were paying for, get this, guys, three different CRM systems and he had no bloody clue <laughs> he was paying for all three of them uh, which you know which and, and that's it's not crazy uncommon but you know it does happen which just kind of begs the question like are we really using you know these systems I mean I remember when I started in the industry it was on a Rolodex but still you know like you know I, I lived and died by that paper and you know I think maybe because of the full belly syndrome that we were talking about earlier is as an industry over the last five years, we've kind of fallen off the bandwagon of, you know, living and dying, you know, with our CRM tool and a tool is only as good as how well someone uses it, you know, but I'd love to kind of get your kind of your guys' thoughts on that. And Todd, I'll start with you and then Zita, I'll, back, I'll bounce back to you is, you know, that CRM, yeah, use I, it, don't use it, drop it. What do you think? you have to have it in the store. If you don't, you're not going to have any contact with your customers. But the biggest mistake I think that we make in our industry is we bring in this wonderful tool and we don't know how to use it. So have somebody on staff that, you know, maybe spends an, a week with that manufacturer or that developer and learns the ins and outs of it. So that when the lease manager or the service manager says, hey, Jason, I want to run a campaign on this. They know exactly where to go, what data to pull, and how to do it. Uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough to work with two or three different uh, DMS and CRM companies, and a lot of times they can give you everything you want, but nobody in the store knows how to get it. So you call through the, the Reynolds of the world or ADP, and, oh, yeah, we can do that. Well, how? Well, we'll send somebody in and show you. Okay, perfect. So let's teach somebody on, have somebody on staff that knows how to work that program so that when you want it, you can get it like that. You're not waiting for a callback from another company that walks you through and then you don't really know what you're doing with it. And by the time you've got the information you wanted, it's too late. You've missed the boat on what you were trying to accomplish. So it comes back to what we just talked about earlier. Let, let's invest in our people. Let's train our people better to use the tools that we have for them. You know, <clears throat> these CRM systems, are, are, they're amazing tools. Um, and some of, look, they're not cheap. <laughs> like, I've seen some bills. I'm sure you guys have. I mean, this is not a minor investment, you know, for dealerships. But I just, you know, we don't seem to make that commitment. And I think, you know, during this time, again, if there's a silver lining at all, it's, you know, as a dealership as a salesperson as a sales manager as a general manager recommitting you know to utilizing our crm is going to set us up for success for the next 12 months and i feel like the ones that you know won't be as successful 
they're not setting that up. You know, they're just kind of waiting for, you know, business to be normal again. And that's just not the case. I just, we, we're looting. We've talked about it, about this a couple of times now, but, you know, moving forward over the next, you know, 12 plus months, we have to grind harder than we, you know, we grind before. You know, we just got to push a little harder, dig a little deeper. And our CRM give us that gives us that ability to dig a little deeper. But a tool is only as good as how well we use it and how well we commit to understanding and using it on a regular basis. Zaid, what are your thoughts on CRM's usage in a dealership? Yeah, I think, I mean, I absolutely agree with what you and uh, Todd said there. Um, it's available. It's got to be used. I mean, I, I know some dealers who had like tool, tools like the auto alerts of the world and then they, you know, they got rid of them. I think, you know, as much as we want the salespeople to use it. And again, maybe now that it's things are slower that they might have that opportunity. Um, the ones I've seen be most successful, you need to have a dedicated team that that's, you know, the same way like a lease retention department might be compromised of one, two or three people, depending on how big the dealership is. Um, and managing the CRM and that's for your lease, finance, cash, expiring warranties. It's really for every aspect of almost your business, right? Uh, I think a dedicated team, something under the BDC, where their sole focus is on looking at these opportunities in the CRM. Um, yeah, it's, it's got to be used because you're leaving, leaving money on the table, right? Um, and, and really, you're not going to know. You know, you're not going to know that Jason now can be upgraded into a new car if you're not checking your CRM that tells you, hey, he can save 20 bucks a month. And then you find out four months later when he's renewed with a different dealership and you're like, are you kidding me? Well, have you, I, I, oh, has it been a daily process? That's why I think like, you know, as much as we want the salespeople, I think having a dedicated dean part of your BDC or a lease retention department, uh, and that's part of their job where every day they're checking the CRM for these things, right? For a few hours a day. At least you know you're not uh, you're not letting anybody fall through the cracks, right? Well, it's again we kind of said it a little earlier. It's no longer a good idea. It needs to be a mandate in the dealership. I mean, guys, can you imagine? Uh, well, I'll ask you this: Do you guys both watch sports? I'm curious which sports do you guys follow. I'm a big hockey guy. You big hockey? Football. Yeah, football, basketball. Yeah. Like, can baseball. you imagine watching these sports if they never actually measured or monitored any stats? How boring would that be? Yeah. You know, like I mean, we, we like yeah. as an industry, you know, do we really know who is the best of the best? You know, like you, you wouldn't ne- like the. There's not a single professional sports team out there that, in their wildest dreams, would ever consider not tracking their actual efforts and deep diving into their data. But we run multi-million-dollar businesses, and we kind of wing it. <laughs> no, I was gonna say, you, you took that out of my, I was going to say it. And for, I don't want to say all of it, but for a significant part of it, it's kind of winged, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it's crazy. But, but I think, you know what, the good news, Jason, is that I, I, I truly believe that's all changing. It's going to change sooner or later. Some might change today. Some might be in a year. Some might be in 10 years. Uh, but I don't think you're going to have the option for the most part, you know, down the road to not, uh, to not be data driven, to not you know uh, operate in a, in a smart way, and not just wing it, right? No, hundred percent. We just we can't afford not to be data driven. Um, I did want to go back just a little bit because when we were talking about communication and um, 
something that I've actually been asked just recently, um, actually this morning before I actually got on this chat. And um, since I have you guys both here, I figure I might as well take the time to ask you both. But, you know, I was talking to a leasing renewal manager and he was telling me in a lot of his discussions on how many customers just don't want to do a renew. You know, they, they just, it's, uh, I don't know if it's fear I think some of it is. I think some of it's fear, some of it's concern, you know, but it's just like the, they almost just doesn't want to renew their lease. You know, it's like, what other options, you know, do they have? You know, a lot of them are considering just buying it out or, you know, or switching it over to a finance. And I'm just curious what your guys' thoughts are for, you know, leasing managers out there that are struggling right now, you know, getting people to actually renew their lease. Zaid, I'll ask you and then Todd, I'll ask you the same question. I think, yeah, I think that kind of would fall under, like, you know, if I were a leasing manager and today, you know, we've done, like, I've done the right process and I've done everything I was supposed to do and the customer is hesitant, uh, I think for the time being, a lease extension would, would make sense, right? Uh, so for whatever reason, you're hesitant, you're set on renewing, uh, refinancing or buying out your lease. Well, again, if you want to do that, you're adamant, of course, we, we help customers through that process. But if the customer felt like that was their only option because most customers don't realize that lease extension is an option for them, right? Um, then be like, you know what? Well, now's a bad time. Why force yourself into refinancing? Let's, you know, let's extend it for three months or six months. And then if in a month from now you want to buy it out, you could still do that. But why rush? Maybe in two, three months, your situation will change. And really in the sex, next six month, months, I think all of our situations kind of change to a certain extent. <laughs> Could be better but yeah why not i mean it, it does make a lot of sense i think to offer the lease extension option at that point at least you still have that customer right um and uh, it buys you some time and it's really beneficial to the customer right i mean customers would love nothing more than a bit more time to make a decision you know i think that's a real professional way to kind of address situations like that todd is there anything you'd like to add to that I think the big thing is when customer says they don't want to renew a lease, let's dig in and find out why. Was it product? Were they unhappy with the vehicle they had and they don't want to go to another one? Was it the price? You know, have their finances changed like all of ours have in this? And dig in a little deeper, you know, spend the time with them, find out what the real cause is. Because most of the time it's either product or price that they don't want to do anything new. So if you can find out why, then you can start giving them some options, whether it's to extend the lease or to downsize or switch to a used vehicle and go pre-owned, you know, because their needs have changed. But if you just, okay, yeah, well, let us know if we can do anything. Well, they're going somewhere else. So dig in, spend the time with them. We've got time on our hands right now. Let's spend it with our customers. Definitely, yeah. You know, guys, I think, you know, the overall theme of almost the entire podcast is just kind of like be the professional, you know, like just the F&I manager, be the professional, the leasing manager, be the professional, the sales manager, be the professional. It's like, I think just everyone's got to dig a little deeper and find that professionalism in them. We're just, we're not going to just be able to kind of skate by, you know, by, you know, the skin of our, the skin of our teeth, you know, we're going to have to stop being jack of all trades and master you know, what's in front of us, right? Hey guys, I know that's the uh, tail end of our time today, but before I let you go, I get to ask my favorite question. And of course I prepped you before we started. So <laughs> Zaid, I'm gonna start with you, right? If you were to change one thing in our industry, what would that be and why? 
I would say the pr process, right? I mean, it's uh, uh, the great thing about like our field and uh, where Todd and I work, we get to go to, uh, you know, uh, lots of dealerships typically every day we're at a new dealership, right? So it's pretty cool. Uh, and of course, many, many dealerships are very process driven. Nobody's perfect and there's always more opportunity to bring process to, uh, you know, any aspect of your business, whether it's expiring warranties, doing a proper trade appraisal. I mean, that's a huge opportunity that helps FNI as an example, right? Um, I think, you know, um, at the same time, there's also a lack of process on a lot of other aspects. So I'd say one thing, a bit more commitment to process, right? And the other part would be uh, really when it comes to sales. And I think we touched up on that, like how, how to benefit the customer. I think really educating the customer. Like I found like my, I had my best interactions or my best compliments from a customer when I used to sell cars. As I went out of it, I'm like, you know, I wasn't even trying to sell that customer. I was genuinely trying to help them and explain to them how, you know, option A, B, C compare. And it was like a genuine, like a full blown explanation. Like you're talking to a friend and these are the ones that really like appreciate what you did for them versus the ones where you're trying to sell them. Right. Uh, so I think process is number one. And then number two would be really go back to like educating needs analysis, proper customer service with the customers. I think you do those two things and then you, you know, overcome anything this pandemic throws at us. That's perfect. I mean, really putting the customer at the center of our process will we will win and the customer will feel like they won as well because they received Absolutely. that experience. Yep. Hey, Todd, for yourself, if you were to change yeah. one thing in our industry, what would that be and why? Well, the one thing that's driven me nuts in this business for a long time is manufacturer incentives. Yeah. I, I was a GM of a Saturn store for a few years where it was one price and I miss those days I hate seeing, you know, 20%, 25% off retail price and this cash incentive and this. Price the vehicles that consumers are getting what they're paying for. That, I would love it. I, I think I'm we'd all be better that. off for it. You know what? I, I know of a few dealer groups that have done that over the years. And, yeah. you know, they're, they're showing huge success. I mean, Saturn was great at that i mean i bought a saturn and my experience was great because of that i didn't feel like i had to shop 15 places because it was the same price at each saturn location i talked to that's awesome hey guys for everyone out there that's watching and listening right now and love to connect with you two fine gentlemen what is the best way to do so zaid i'll start with you uh linkedin would be best so ziad fersley f-e-r-z-l-i on LinkedIn, it'll be easy to find me. And uh, Todd, for yourself, what is the best way to connect with you? Sir? Yeah, LinkedIn as well. I'm on there, uh, todd.groudon or email todd.groudon at simtech.ca. Awesome. Hey guys, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today. This has been a lot of fun. You guys have a good one. Thanks, Jason. Have a good Thanks, one. Thanks, Jason.